Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This crowd rises to its feet. But Carl slammed it home. Garland left wing. Three ball. Perfect. Garland in front of the lane. Lock. The Mobley pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo, the official streaming partner of the Cavs. Watch over 350 channels of live sports and TV, including Bally Sports Ohio, without cable. There's no cost and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com slash Cavs. The Cleveland Cavaliers responded to some very tough news to start the weekend with two big wins over the Atlanta Hawks and Houston Rockets. We are going to dive into those wins, but first, I need to bring on my co-host because we, we got to discuss the, the major news for the Cleveland Cavaliers, unfortunately. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, but uh, I uh, I was on a on a work trip while when the when the terrible news came out, um, and it was kind of nice, you know, you could just quickly take it on the chin, get back to work, uh, and, and you know, uh, and then came back, had my daughter's fourth birthday party, uh, so you know everything's in nice perspective for me uh, heading into uh, heading back into watching uh, game action. Caught uh, Cavs Hawks on on DVR and obviously uh, tonight's win live and yeah I, I it's uh, it's certainly tough news we can dive into it but uh, it is nice to see them respond well uh, in, in these first two games absolutely and honestly I feel like the Cavs have shown a lot of resilience lately um, I know people got a little down after those back to back losses in Boston but like I said before those are games that you know we would have been underdogs in even if. Garland and Mobley were healthy, and I, I thought the second game against Boston was the first time that kind of looked like Darius had had been struggling uh, since his play had really kind of improved lately. And turns out there was a bit of a factor uh, at, at play as he had broken his jaw in that game. Um, but I I was really really impressed to see the Cavs kind of come out, take care of business in these two games. We talked about it heading into the weekend that these were games that were set up well for the Cavs to, to come out and, and get wins with both of these teams playing their third game in four nights, travel back to backs. It's set up for the Cavs to, to take care of business, but you still got to go out there and win. 
And I was really, really impressed with, with how they played in both of these games. But before we dive into those wins, I, I think we should go over the injuries because, you know, otherwise it's it's that big elephant in the room. Uh, so Darius Garland uh, will be undergoing surgery uh, for his broken jaw and be reevaluated in four weeks. Uh, Evan Mobley had a, uh, loose bodies removed from his knees. Uh, six to eight weeks is the timeline there, which will likely keep him out uh, until February. So Carter... Obviously, you know, we're, we're now down um, probably our, the most impactful players uh, for our offense and defense, respectively, in, in terms of how they impact the the overall team scheme and the way that they, they you know, the tides that raise all boats on both ends of the court. So what what are kind of your thoughts as the Cavs head into a, a challenging stretch? Well, you know, I think like you got to you have to acknowledge kind of the thought timeline you go through when you see that kind of thing, uh, especially, you know, back-to-back news drops of really bad news. And, you know, the first thing you do think is lost season. You know, things aren't going well. Things have been really, really hard. The vibes have been up and down. And then all of a sudden you, you, you're you about to hit the easier stretch of your schedule and then you get this news. Um, and But, you know, like... And then you you do kind of look at at the schedule. You look at how it's going to shake out, and you realize that you're still going to have about half a season left uh, once they return. You know, it's not so late into the season that you know it it it's you know all hope is lost. But it is going to be a big challenge, and you know I think it also ha- has somewhat changed the way I'm watching every game. Uh, I, I'm I'm really not looking for macro trends right now. Yeah. I'm just looking for like individual ways to you know individual roads to wins. Um, but but yeah, I mean ultimately, I think what it just means is like you know the Cavs depth is going to be tested. Um, and it is going to be. I think the worst part of it is that any answers as to what how this team is going to you know round as to whether this team would round into Eastern Conference contender shape that we kind of hope we might see, I just those are going to remain unanswered. And that that's really challenging because this is a season where you really need to find some answers. Yeah, I think this is going to be a season now where you're just not going to be able to look at any of the season-long numbers and really get a sense of what this team is uh, when you have, you know, already a very noisy 27 game uh sample size um you know you're, you're going to have this weird stretch and then trying to find your footing after those guys come back so uh, my immediate reaction was okay well that's probably going to rule out a, a top three seed in the eastern conference um obviously you know the top three in the east have kind of separated themselves to begin with and, and the Cavs' shaky start w- would have already put that in question and now i think we can kind of rule that out but one of my first thoughts as well was this is a situation where I think it's really beneficial to have a guy like Max Struess in the locker room because, you know, last season in Miami, they had the most injured games in the league and really used those opportunities to develop guys like Max Struess to get Caleb Martin uh, touches to give Gabe Vincent those on-ball reps and, and a lot of stuff that ended up really paying dividends in the playoffs for them. And I, I think you're already starting to see that some of the in in these two games where someone like Isaac Okoro is now all of a sudden getting all, all those above the break reps, um, getting the the ball handling opportunities that we saw a little earlier in the season, but just amplified to another extent. And it makes me wonder if you're able to utilize this time and use utilize it in productive ways 
to develop guys and find some actions and find some sets that could pay off dividends down the road. Because I, I think, you know, the, the Cavs are now, what, three games above 500? If yep. you're able to weather the storm and stay around 500, you get Garland and Mobley back when, when you have 30, 40 games left of the season, you can make another kind of run during that time to get up to, you know, four or five, uh, avoid the play in in that stretch. So um, I think the season is very far uh, from lost. It's frustrating. I hate it. But you have to look at these opportunities and, and look at these opportunities in the way that the best teams in the league do which is, hey, this is developmental opportunities for everybody else down the, the roster, some of these younger guys, to see what we can build and hope that by the time it comes to the playoffs, yeah, you're not going to be in the seating that you hope for, but you may be better prepared as a result of it. It Has this meaningfully affected the way you're watching games right now? Like, yeah. like how, how has it changed the viewing experience, if at all? I, I would say, you know, from a, a fan perspective, because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm watching, especially my first watch through games, I'm watching it as a fan. Um, I do feel like there's pressure off. And, you know, this was a, a high pressure season that we're going into. And I, I, I still think that there's a lot of pressure on this team to perform ultimately. But, you know, it's understandable given the, the situation that they're in. So to that extent, I actually kind of feel like a little bit of a relief. <laughs> um, it's frustrating still. Like there, there's times where I'm like, yeah, man, like it would be nice to, to at least be, you know, having Mobley when, when Garland's out for uh, uh, multiple weeks or a month or whatever, like being able to give him those playmaking reps and stuff like that. Like I, I feel frustration with that, but you know it, if there was a time for this to occur, it is nice that it's now. Like, I, I look at the next four weeks. So we're at game 27. We just played game 27. If Garland, he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. I, I know that doesn't mean he's going to be back in four weeks. But if, let's say, four weeks from today, there's 10 games between now and then. And the 15th is the 11th game. So of those 11 games, we play seven teams with a losing record. That you know, that's encouraging because you still have an all NBA caliber player in Donovan Mitchell. You have a top 10 center in, in Jared Allen. You have quality starters in, in Max Struess. Uh, Dean Wade's been giving you good minutes. Okoro has been playing well. You have Karis Levert, who is still working his way back, but has given them is high Dean level play. still on a minutes limit, by the way. It feels like he hasn't really exceeded the 25. Yeah, I, I believe JB had mentioned that he, he's on a, a minute restriction. And um, I also saw Chris Vidor uh, mention that Karras is still on a minute restriction. So you can kind of, you know, glean from that, that they're not 100% physically. But I just feel like you have enough to kind of weather the storm over the stretch, especially when you look at the schedule. And yeah, it's it's frustrating to not be able to really take off and make a run at this point. But if you go through like a, 11 games here before you get Darius back and you're even just six and six and five after winning these two, like you're going to be four games over 500 and you're going to be in a good position, right? Like I, I think the kind of premature writing off of the Cavs this season is very premature, honestly. Yeah. I think that's fair. I do think I have, uh, I think for this upcoming stretch, I have kind of stopped worrying about how and started worrying about how many, you know, mm. <laughs> just trying to win. Um, uh, and like the team does still have enough juice to compete with just about anyone. I was pretty pleased with their effort against Boston. Um, 
in both those losses. Obviously, really bad news uh, for Darius in the second in the latter of the two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately you you look at this, you look up and down the Cavs roster, you look up and down other teams' rosters that they're going to be playing, and they're not going to be favored every single game, but they're going to be you know every all those games should be winnable. Yeah. Um, and like that's kind of all you can ask for uh, in the end. Uh, for for kind of a team missing 40% of its starting lineup. So I do think it's meaningfully affected the way I'm watching the games in the sense that it's almost just, it's almost been a little nice in a weird way, just in terms of removing the the weight of expectations, mm-hmm. removing the weight of them needing to come to some grand clarity and just like, well, let's just uh, try to win a basketball game tonight, fellas. Yeah. Like that kind of feels like the vibe. Um, at least that's why the way I'm watching it. Um, and I thought, I think they really, uh, met the moment and it's been different, different guys stepping up, uh, the last couple games. And that, that's what I want to see. I just want to see a team that's health, that's healthy enough culturally to kind of take that hit on the chin and not just be completely KO'd. You know, if they get run off the floor in either of these two games, I think, you know, the way we're talking about this team feels a little bit different. And, you know, I, I, I know it's never a good idea to play the result, but when you're down 40% of your starting lineup, it's okay to play the result. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I believe they covered in both of these games as well. So let's let's take that as a win. Great teams Let cover. me tell you, there is no better road <laughs> to the Cavs improving their net rating than for a game to go to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we should probably mention the Cavs have now won 11 straight games in, in overtime, which is the second longest streak in, in NBA history. I think the most recent one um, was 2016. Like it's been a while, and that's a that's a tough feat uh, to begin with. But especially in you know today's modern NBA, where just you start overtime, and if a team hits a couple threes, like that, that could basically be a wrap. Um, I, I think it is a testament to their resilience and. Man, like, I I just think their resilience overall, like, things did not feel good after that Portland loss in the Detroit game. Like, that Detroit game was a bad win. And I I thought it was a real gut check moment for the Cavs. And they responded after those games with some quality wins. They really competed in Orlando and Boston, uh, just impossible places to to win on the road. Um, Probably would be frustrating that some of those slipped through their fingers and, and, you know, they ran out of gas late, but they didn't allow that compounded with the news of losing Darius and Evan to really be a weight on them. And I think the credit first and foremost has to go to Donovan Mitchell, who I think has embraced the role that he needs to be in um, just at at a really, really high level. Like, I, I think... His mentality in that Atlanta game, even though he didn't shoot well individually, he was really making the most of trying to get other teammates involved, feeding Jared Allen, uh, really feasting on a bad Hawks defense to begin with that was looking clearly sluggish, having played in Toronto the previous night. So let me tell you, that was not. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to tweet it because I thought it would <laughs> kind of rain on people's parade. That was not the best defensive outing I've ever seen by a professional basketball team from the Atlanta Hawks. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we saw that in the first matchup against the Hawks, right? In that in-season tournament game where the, the Cavs scored 128 points and were really able to get whatever they wanted. Um, that Hawks defense down, Clint Capella, is another animal entirely. I, I saw that they almost lost to the Pistons tonight, um, which is a tough feat in itself. But they took care of business, and that's what you really want to see um, Donovan really feeding Jared Allen, Jared Allen making the most of the size m- mismatch they had against Nyeko Kongwu, I thought was really encouraging. Uh, Sam Merrill, who got the junkyard dog chain and was phenomenal against Houston, has just been so assertive and so much fun. And let's 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 go with Sam Carter. How how much fun are you having watching that quick trigger go off and, and <laughs> knock down absolutely everything? Well, let me tell you this, Justin. I didn't expect to make Sam Merrill the thumbnail for our YouTube live stream at any point <laughs> this season. Um, and uh, and boy, did he make a fool out of me. Uh, he's he's playing unbelievable basketball. Uh, ever since uh, that Detroit win, uh, that ugly Detroit win, if you'll recall, um, uh, he, he got in, uh, he got put in early in Miami and hit three threes. Then against Orlando, hit two threes, three against Atlanta uh, on Saturday, and then another, and then another five tonight. Um, just really, really thrilled with what he's done, and you know, I mean, I don't think it's blasphemy to say he's the best shooter on the team. Um, you know, by by, I think like in terms of the way he catches off movement with the speed he gets the shot off. I mean, I, it, it that quick release is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is really kind of proving that, you know, in bursts, when he gets a little bit of run, he can make an impact. Um, I think he's done a really nice job of unclogging the Cavaliers defense or offense. Sorry. Um, he just tends to, you know, he and Struess, I think just tend to open up different angles, different lanes, um, uh, and, and kind of just get things a little unsticky uh, in a way that is really, really valuable. And I mean, he's just, just really smart plays. I mean, yes, he, he hit the, he hit the threes that you were asking him to hit, but he also, you know, plays a little dribble handoff game with Isaac Okoro in the corner in overtime and, and attacks Shingun all the way to the basket for, for any, for a layup, uh, you know, a, a tough angle layup, by the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, I think defensively, he actually did a really nice job in this game. He he, chest, he went chest to chest with Jalen Green on more than one possession. He took a couple charges. Uh, he he was in the right spots. He got four boards in his twenty four minutes. I mean, just a really all around game for a shooting specialist. But obviously, the shooting is what makes made, made it special. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. He's now up to forty five percent for the season from three. <laughs> he's like he's just automatic, and and we saw a fair amount of this in summer league and. The question always has been, you know, if Sam was 6'6", I think there would be a more consistent role for him. But at 6'4", he kind of falls into the glut of guards that the Cavs have where, you know, Donovan Mitchell is obviously going to play a lot of minutes uh, at the guard position. Karis LeVert is kind of naturally a shooting guard. Isaac Okoro does a really good job at that position. Uh, Craig Porter Jr. uh, obviously is a guard. And it becomes hard, especially against a team like Houston that has a lot of length, 
to play like three or four guard lineups out there or and really give up that much size, especially when you don't have an Evan Mobley to go to. Uh, you know, Dean Wade uh, working his way back from injury. Like, it's tough to have the appropriate length with those guys. And it's one of my big questions because obviously with the injuries that the Cavs have, it's going to open up opportunities for guys like Sam Merrill, like Craig Porter Jr., like Isaac Okoro. But because they're all still fighting for kind of the same position and the same minutes, it's going to be interesting to see how JB goes about deploying them because, there were times, um, you know, in, in the second half where I would have liked to see them go back to Craig Porter Jr. Um, I, I thought Houston hunted him a fair bit on the defensive end. It was the first time I've really seen him be attacked in that way. But you still want him to kind of get that run out there. You, you still want him to be able to work through that. And I, I thought offensively, he was giving the Cavs a little bit of something. And especially looking at Donovan playing the entire second half of these last two games, I do think you're going to need to lean on him as a, a ball handler a little more than you did in these games, because as much as this is a manageable stretch, I don't think you have, you can really treat these games as like must win and, and like shortening the rotation and, and overtaxing Donovan because you, you want him to be fresh for when you want to make that run when, once the full squad is back together. Yeah. I think uh, I'd be really, really surprised if we, if we don't see uh, CPJ play uh, some healthy minutes against Utah, Utah does not have the bruising wings that you really, really worry about. That's a good point. Uh, They're very guard heavy. Yeah. And, and unless you're a big Simone Fontecchio fan, um, which, you know, I'm not sure I'm super familiar with this game. Uh, and I think <laughs> he's going to hit that's... five threes on us. I just know. <laughs> I know. I, I, he's he's going to uh, soon Deanna gain, gains us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely think it is kind of an interesting spot. And then, you know, like it's also an interesting challenge where like JB is, has not shortened his rotation in the aftermath of these injuries. He's expanded it. Uh, yeah. They've they've run ten the last two games, um, and I think that is really smart. I think I think the instinct is to shorten it, but like when you have to play more guys in roles you're not used to them playing in, you kind of just want to. It's almost like a grab bag. You just want to see who's going to earn the the minutes, especially with two of your you know remaining like top seven in your rotation seemingly on minutes restriction still. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am interested to see is how much slack JB is willing to give these uh, core rotation members who are working their way back in lieu of guys like Merrill and Porter. Mm. Because, you know, like, let's let's say Karras is not a minutes restriction. You kind of would expect him to be out there in overtime uh, instead of a guy like Sam Merrill. And I don't, maybe the Cavs don't win, you know, if, if Merrill isn't there making all those winning plays that he makes. So, like, that's going to be a really interesting thing to track is like are, how assured of a shot is a guy like Merrill or Porter going to get? And also how assured are the remaining planned rotation players of their, you know, 28 to 32 minutes, given that, you know, it's not Darius, it's not Evan. Like, you know, in, in a normal lineup, uh, Isaac Okoro might play only 15 to 20 minutes in a normal lineup. George Niang might only play 15 to 20 minutes, but now that they're shorter, are they just going to automatically slide up the chain, or are you going to always give this run to a Maryland Porter and see if they're feeling it on this given night? And you know, Maryland are playing twenty four. That's I got to imagine it's near a career high. 
uh or yeah. you know maybe or you know or or in the top you know 90 percentile for minutes in a game for him yeah it's interesting because you would think you know that you wouldn't have a minutes crunch when you're shorthanded like this but really I, I I think it's such a great point that you brought up here because when you have your full lineup, the hierarchy is very established. You know who's going to be on the court. You know which minutes are up for grabs. But then when all of a sudden minutes do become available and there's a wider array of guys that can compete for those minutes, you have to manage the personalities. You have to, you know, keep everybody engaged. Like um, you do have guys that have an extensive track record, right? Like Karis Levert was probably six man of the year front runner early in the year, and he's working his way back. So you do want to give him that leash, right? And um, when you have a guy like Dean Wade that's come in and played so damn well in in this starting role, like you got to give him a lot of credit for coming back, uh, you know, from missing time, playing as well as he has. And like when he's playing this well, he's playing that stretch four game that three, four role that George Niang plays, but giving you really good individual defense and can eat into those George Niang minutes, especially if you're going to be playing more guards. So I think some of it's going to be based on matchups, but it is going to be interesting to see where you go track record versus who's been playing better. Right. And, and you know, in a perfect world, it, that's going to be one and the same, but it's going, it's going to, there's going to be back and forth, especially when, you know, major roles in the team's offense are missing and you're going to be asking guys to do other things and inevitably you're going to have stretches where things just aren't clicking because guys are put in unfamiliar and uncomfortable positions yeah by the way how about our guy dean 28 points over the last two days um just shooting the cover off the ball uh, i think he is yeah he's six to ten in his last two games from three um rebounding defending really really well he had a three, I think it was over Aaron Holiday or maybe Fred Van Vliet. It was one of their small guards mm-hmm. where, you know, he was getting closed down on, but he had just clearly pre-decided on the, on, on the swing that he was going to shoot. And it looked really, really pure. You know, he went from just at the end of last season, every single three, the launch angle was just awful. Yeah. Um, and, and the shoulder was clearly so affecting his ability to shoot the way he wanted to shoot to what he's been doing this season. And I, I know he still is going to be a guy who kind of gives you up and down shooting. Like, I'm not saying that he's like a sharpshooter, but when he's in rhythm, man, it feels really, really good. It, it does feel really good. And I think he hit a, or took and made another one of those kind of contested threes with, with Dylan Brooks on him too. And that type of decisiveness, I think is really needed, especially when, you know, the, you're doing playmaking by committee and a lot of guys are filling in other roles. Like, you need the those kickouts to result in field goal attempts. You can't have record scratches. The playmaking and, and the movement overall, like, it's going to be a little bit limited w- without Mobley as a hub and, and Garland and, with his playmaking. You need these guys to be decisive because uh, I, I think you... You're, you're going to need to win the three-point battle a lot of these nights because you're going to be playing, you know, shorter uh, lineups than a lot of these teams. You, you're going to need to have that variance from attempting threes, and, and the Cavs have done that. They've taken 93s in the last two games here. Um, but you're going to need that decisiveness, and you're going to need guys like Dean Wade to, to step up 
fill in for Evan Mobley and give the Avs the kind of support that we get from Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Carter, speaking of guys that have stepped up and really provided great support, if you're talking about who you are most interested to see in this, you know, 12 to 20 to 30 games that we're going to have without Darius and Evan Mobley, top of my list is Isaac Okoro. Because I, for one, can't believe it. Yeah, you know, it's really out of character for me, but stay with me here. I'm going to explain why I've really kind of course corrected and come around on Isaac. No, but like he was one of the best stories of the season early on. Um, the, the way that he was providing hustle plays, the way he was initiating above the break. And the knee injury kind of derailed that. I've, I felt like he lost a lot of momentum and you saw it in bursts and flashes. But now that he's out there, you know, getting consistent minutes, getting consistent touches, I've just been really, really impressed with how he's been playing. And, you know, the fact that Houston put a big man on him, put Shangoon on him often, and Isaac's out there creating in the short role. He's giving the ball up on dribble handoffs and setting a screen quickly, screening for Donovan late in games, uh, both against Atlanta and Houston. Like, that's the type of stuff that we really wanted to see. That's the value add with his defense, uh, because you know the defense is always going to be at a really, really high level. And, you know, four, six from three is nice these two games. Uh, I would have liked to see him get a couple more up. But when he's doing all this kind of stuff, the three-point shots, the the number of attempts in that, that isn't the main focal point of the conversation because it's just so obvious where he's adding value. Whereas when he's just standing in the corner it basically becomes like a zero-sum game. It's, did he make threes or did he miss threes, right? Because otherwise, he's not really contributing a lot on on the court. Yeah, I I thought he was awesome tonight. I thought thought he, as much as Sam Merrill, was the reason they they won this game in overtime. Um, When you you put a guy like Shingun on him, who is a, you know, among the slowest-footed defenders in the league at the center position, 
if you're not able to yield an advantage there, then you're probably not going to win the game because because otherwise they're just parking you know uh, one you know one bigger guy on Jared Allen, uh, a, a strong perimeter defender on Donovan, and then you know and and then Shingun's at the rim. You're playing two on three, and that's that's just not going to work. So the Cavs very smartly and Isaac very smartly engaged and and kind of messed that that kind of stash strategy up in a lot of different ways. You know, possession one, uh it's a it's a swing swing to Isaac in the corner. He just, you know, hits the gas, goes right right past Shingun, gets an easy bucket. Then uh he he ends up dribbling uh to the corner in, into a DHO for Sam Merrill. Uh, and, and then is able to make an easy pass. To I believe it was Struess for the lay, for a, for a layup. Yeah, like the, the like, lob to Allen a little earlier. Yeah, it was the Allen, it was the Allen lob. I'm sorry, that's exactly yeah. what I was referencing. Um, you know, LeBron, you the, are not. No, I know. Uh, so like ultimately, I just thought like they they attacked that in a lot of different ways. There were there were a couple plays where uh, where he kind of drifted out into space and and forced them to switch it back. Because because Shingun was trying to play free safety, but Isaac drifted to the other side of the floor and made it so that wasn't going to work. And then they were really in, engaged Shingun for for a pick and roll. Like I just thought that level of engagement was really really strong. Obviously the defense was great as always. It doesn't really show because Van Vliet was on one tonight. But uh, but on offense I thought the playmaking was really strong. I thought I thought the understanding of court geometry was really strong and. I think he's a big reason why they were able to score the points they did in overtime. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it was nice to see the Cavs go after Shangun as much as they did. Um, obviously, you know, him picking up that first foul early. Uh, Isaac did a great job taking it to him and drawing that second foul, getting him in foul trouble. I, I think, you know, that helped the Cavs get out to the lead that they did because so much of Houston's offense does run through Shangun. And I, I think, you know, him missing time probably contributed to Fred Van Vliet having as many assists as he did. Um, but they continued going at him, you know, whether it's Tristan, Dean, Isaac, um, they they kept putting him in action and um, not just doing kind of, you know, I think sometimes they're like, oh, okay, this guy struggles in space. This guy isn't the, the most stout defender. Let's isolate on him. The Cavs had a lot of movement before they attacked Shangun, and I thought that was key to those attacks being as effective as they were. I, I want to go back to, you know, evaluating this opportunity with the guards. And obviously, you know, Craig Porter Jr. is going to get minutes over this stretch. He's one of the only point guards active. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, maybe Ty Jerome comes back. But before Darius, we, we haven't heard an update on that. I want to keep my fingers crossed that, you know, he, he comes back at some point. But if Craig's getting minutes... I struggle with figuring out exactly how I would prefer to see him deployed because on the one hand, it would be nice to be able to buy Donovan some time off ball where Craig's creating for him. Those minutes have been very effective among the most effective minutes for Craig Porter Jr. is when he's playing alongside Donovan Mitchell and, you know, freeing him up a little bit. But on the other hand, you're going to need to spell Mitchell at some point you're going to need to have someone else playing back a point guard and Craig Porter Jr. seems like clearly that guy. Do you have a preference in terms of how you would be deploying him? Uh, yeah, I do. And I, I think it's actually the latter for, for now. I, I like, you know, if Darius Garland were healthy and we wanted to find minutes for CBJ, I think I'd go the other way. But I, I do like the idea of him kind of 
just getting Donovan that blow, letting him handing Craig the keys to the offense. That's one little danger of the CPJ Donnie pairing is if Donnie decides to initiate CPJ is not a shooter right now yeah. or not a super willing one. Um, though he did hit a step back three, which was very nice. Uh, nice tonight. Yeah. Um, but the defenses then, aren't reacting that way, right? Like he doesn't have that off ball gravity. Yeah. I really want to see CBJ played with the shooters. I, every minute he plays with Merrill feels really good to me. You know, it just feels like the offense has a plan, knows what it's doing uh, on those possessions. And I think he is the kind of player that right now is just going to look best when he can be on the ball. Mm -hmm. um and and those lineups kind of you know if he's playing with a merrill and and a struce at the same time i just feel like you know it's a buffet of options for him and he also has the room to turn that corner and get to the rim so i i tend to prefer him in the shootiest lineups possible because i just think it it hides and like the one player i just don't think he can play with right now is okoro that's actually the only player i'm looking to avoid is because the three point you just start losing the math problem really fast, kind of no matter who your surrounding personnel are at that yeah. point. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm I'm I'd be happy just to see him get more run. Um, I know that the I know that the Rockets with their big strong pl- bodies kind of were going at him, um, but I still thought they held up okay. They were plus four in his nine minutes. Yep. Uh, the three was nice. The three assists were nice. I just think this offense is gonna get gunky. Um, without Darius in, and anytime you can play a point guard, I'm going to be happy to see it. Though, obviously, I get why uh, someone like Merrill gets all those minutes in the second half. Oh yeah, um, for sure. With the game in question, I just, I just don't think, I, I just don't, I just wouldn't play Donnie entire second halves. So I just don't think, I don't think the team needs to do that. And he was fresh tonight, which was pretty amazing, given how long that stretch what that that uh, stint was. Um, I just, I just don't think I would do it. I think it's, I think it's pushing too hard for a guy that pushes his body pretty hard when he's on the floor in the first place. Yeah. He, he gives a hundred percent every, every time he's out there. So, you know, the, the tricky thing is I do think like when I'm looking at what the ideal kind of lineups are to, to play Craig in, I, it's a lot of starters. Like, I think I would like to have Dean Wade and Jared Allen out there because uh, not that he needs the backline help. Like, I, I think, you know, Houston going after him defensively, I think it was rookie mistakes. I think the defensive potential of Craig Porter Jr. is immense. Like, I, I think we saw that. The play that he made to, you know, save a, a diving ball and tip it to Tristan and, and and create, you know, second chance opportunities. Like, he's such an impactful player and he does so many things out there. Like, I remain a massive fan of him. But I think you want to have Jared Allen out there as a pick and roll partner and you want to have that spacing around, right? So maybe you're, you're playing him with Karis a little bit um, to provide some secondary ball handling and, and make things easier. Again, you run into that thing where if Karis is being the primary initiator, Craig's not really providing a ton of gravity, but I think you can do guard to guard screening even in those situations, which the Cavs have been doing more of with, with Mobley out of the lineup. So maybe that's one of those ways that you can kind of rectify that. But um I definitely expect him to get more run. I, I think, you know, a matchup like Utah, as you mentioned, makes a lot of sense with the number Especially of guards. Especially coming have. off 45 minutes for Donovan. I really hope he gets a chance. Right, right. So 
you know that'll that'll be a really really interesting matchup uh our our guy colin sexton has been playing great lately getting a, a lot of minutes uh with the starter so a uh, big shout out to colin looks like he's going to hand brooklyn a loss uh or the <laughs> i should say they are going to hand brooklyn a loss tonight no just colin yeah it j- just colin um which you know more help more help in the standings which is great i i think if the lakers win tonight against new york the Cavs will actually be up to fifth uh, in the Eastern Conference, so that's which is such high comedy, given yeah. how we felt at different points this year. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, the one benefit to what the Cavs have gone through, you know, um, with these injuries, is the East has been so flat uh, outside of you know those, those top couple teams. And um, if you can weather the storm and even you know play above five hundred, uh, and, and you know lean on Donovan Mitchell and find some other things before Darius comes back, I think. That immediately lightens the load, and you can kind of weather the storm a little bit further um, prior to Evan Mobley getting back. So it, it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm, I, I guess the other guy we should talk about who, who was active tonight but didn't see any time is Amani Bates, and he doesn't fall into that guards minute crunch. And this has been something I've been thinking about, kind of individually, where. You know, the Cavs very clearly have a developmental plan for Armani Bates. He's been getting great minutes in the G League. Uh, recent games have still been great. I, I'm still enjoying watching the, the highlights and stuff like that. There isn't as much of a shortage in terms of guys that bring what he brings to the table. But I am curious if this is an opportunity where you'd like to see him get a little bit of run just because they are shorthanded and you know, he, he's an, a guy that can eat some minutes. It's tricky because they keep going back and forth. I'm like, okay, you do have Max Drews. You have Isaac Okoro. You have Karis LeVert. You have George Niang. You have Dean Wade. Like, there isn't really a shortage in that way. But at the same time, when you're shorthanded and there's a little less pressure on the games, maybe this is a spot where you'd like to see him get some spot minutes. How, how do you feel about that? Um, No, I don't think so. I think the team is... I think the team clearly has has a, a a pretty prescribed strategy with Amani, which is like we're not gonna push it. Even if he even like I think this is a team that decided that they'd rather wait a month or two too long to start giving him run than give him run a month or two too early. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, shortcut some of that development they've been working on in the G League. Um I just don't you know if Merrill was playing poorly in the stints he was getting, you know, like there were, there were some times earlier in the year where I don't think Merrill was making the most of the, the short minutes he was getting. And I was like, okay, well then, you know, you might as well play the, the six, nine guy, the six, nine uh, kid who is, uh, you know, shooting the cover off the ball uh, in, in the G league and, you know, and did all preseason. But like, if Merrill's going to play like this, I just don't really see the minutes. Cause like, Dude, he got fouled on a three-point attempt. Like, he's running around so much and, and you know, hitting five of ten threes. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, the defense is scrambling and, like, assaulting him, trying to, to stop that that laser-quick release. Yeah, so, like, I, I think I think Merrill's play almost is more exclusionary than anything because, like, they're not going to take minutes away from Karras. They're not going to take minutes away from Max. They're not going to take minutes away from Isaac, certainly not right now. Uh, and you know, I, and I certainly do not think Amani Bates should be playing minutes at the four right now. No, um, uh, six nine is not is not equal for everyone, and 
uh, if you're worried about the Cavs getting beat up on the boards and physic with physicality, uh, as is, uh, Amani at the four will not make you feel better yeah, about from, that. From, from so, a skill standpoint, he's kind of like a two-three, even though yeah. he's massive. <laughs> yes. So, like, I just, I just don't think I would play him right now. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to reevaluate that over the course of the year. Um, but even I, I think you're you're kind of looking for something like real foul trouble. You know, there there were some stretches where they were playing Dean at the three or or uh, Niang at the three because um, because of different foul trouble or having trying to go having to small because Jarrett's been in foul trouble. Like maybe some of those spots, but like it's such a limited window that i just think like most of the time you're just he's not even going to be up with the main roster yeah so i don't think so um can i pivot to a topic that's near and dear to my heart yes haka is a bad strategy (laughs) go off (laughs) go off i'm going to clear out go for it the cavaliers scored 42 points in the third quarter because ime udoka got them got his team in the bonus uh, intentionally fouling the Cavs' backup center, Tristan Thompson. TT went two of eight from free throws, but like my most annoying thing to do is when people just measure that. Like, how about the two points Dean Wade gets on an offensive rebound where he gets shoved uh, and and gets to waltz to the free throw line because you were you were burning up all all five of your used of your free fouls. Yeah. Uh, just, just you know, wantonly fouling Tristan Thompson. It's and a I really think in that stretch he went two of four from the free throw line too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think his his two O of two stints were in the first half. My only gripe is that the Cavs took him out. Like let yeah. him. Like I feel like I'm I'm Brad Pitt and Moneyball right now. Only time I've ever felt like Brad Pitt. If you're if the enemy's making mistakes, let him. Stupid strategy, uh, especially it, it is only a good strategy to me if you were already in the bonus. Mm. But like just just letting Donovan Mitchell go to the free throw line every time you bump him, like because because you wanted to mess with Tristan Thompson, not a good strategy. And I'm glad that the basketball gods rewarded the Cavs with one of the best quarters of the season on offense for it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think I'm completely on board with you. Um, it, You're right. People don't tend to weigh the effect that it has on, on the rest of the game. And um, I do want, while we're on the subject of fouls, I want to talk about Jared Allen because I, I don't think we, we've spent enough time on the podcast uh, talking about him because obviously this is a major opportunity for him to step up. I thought he was phenomenal against Atlanta with 25 points, 14 rebounds. Tonight was a difficult night for him. Um, I actually kind of liked the way he was playing in, in the first half. The finishing just wasn't necessarily there, which was a little weird to see. Um, but he picked up some weird fouls. I didn't think a, a lot of them in the middle should have been uh, attributed to him. And then with four, he just made a, a questionable decision to pick up that fifth where it just, you weren't going to get to that ball. You have to kind of be better in that situation. And it was kind of a frustrating moment to, to see him pick up that one because he really has to kind of recognize what situation the Cavs are in. I was impressed though. That when he came back in after picking up that fifth foul, I thought he was very impactful to, to close out the fourth quarter. Obviously, you know, uh, defended that Shangun last second shot very well. Boy, did that one look good. That one, oh, man, like that still had a chance. Um, but he, he did a very good job on Shangun not fouling uh, down the stretch. Um, had that big block late in the game, uh, you know, getting the rebounds. I, I thought he made nice decisions as a playmaker uh, throughout the night as well. So, Obviously, Jared Allen is a really important part for the Cavs. We've seen him play tremendous in some really big matchups against Jokic, against Embiid, against Anthony Davis. We need the consistency, though. That's that's the biggest thing. Uh, obviously, he was great against Porzingis as well. But, you know, he's got to recognize kind of what the situation is and um, just be a little more careful when, when it comes to when he's throwing his body at guys because... You know, they just can't afford to be playing heavy Tristan Thompson minutes as much as I, I like what Tristan's doing. You really don't want to wear down. Like, you, you don't want to go to that well more than you have to. Yeah, I just think it's, like, kind of an impossible task in front of him. So I'm I'm a little more sympathetic because with Evan out, he's kind of between a rock and a hard place here. Like, I don't think the Cavs' point of attack defense has been as good this season as it was last season. And... So there's a lot of like, do I challenge this? And it's maybe not a great challenge, but like I'm the only thing that's like he's creating he has, resistance. He, I, I have noticed that. He has been let down quite a few times at the point of attack where he's just kind of put in these impossible situations. And frankly, it's a little reminiscent of, uh, you know, some of the blow buys we, we saw in the Knicks series. Yeah. So like, I, I think there's a little bit of that of like, well, I can either go help and maybe maybe i'm gonna risk a foul maybe i'm gonna you know risk you know maybe i jump maybe i'm gonna have to jump to get to this because i'm not in great position to help because because they beat my guy faster than i thought they were going to um or beat beat their guy faster than i thought they were going to and and now i'm putting it in risk but like i think people would be just as critical if the Cavs were just hemorrhaging points because he wasn't going over and challenging. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's playing as badly as people seem to think he is. Um, I think there is a degree of, like, he, he... I just think the magnifying glass on him just gets so much bigger defensively when Evan's not around. 
because he he can he can't he not only ha- doesn't have those minutes with Evan where they're just constantly passing off threats and, and taking turns rotating to the rim. He also just doesn't have the 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 ability on nights where he does get in some foul trouble for the Cavs defense and offense to be okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm sympathetic to that. That's that's point one. Point two, and I'm I'm gonna be a little critical of, of some some Cavaliers fans for uh, for not liking Allen's demeanor uh, on some of these high foul games. Like some like oh he's he's smiling. He seems flipping. It's like have you never made a mistake and angrily smiled? Who are you people? I was like, going to say, I, he, look, he looks frustrated. Yeah, he looks frustrated to me. It's like an exasperated vibe, you know? Like, I just, I, I don't know. I I, I hate, I, body language doctors are already a dangerous game to play. Bad body language doctoring, I cannot abide. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ultimately, like, I, I, I just feel like it's not been as easy as you want for him. Uh, this season, um, for for you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, starts out gets hurt, which stinks, um, uh, and and like it's just kind of it just hasn't been quite right for him uh, in some of these games. But like the upside, you still obviously see. Um, you know that that Hawks game was amazing, uh, and even though I did defend the fouls, that he's just you know the bar is higher when Evans not out there. But, you know, that's why he's paid to clear. So, yeah. like, I don't want to completely hand wave, like, accountability to make smart plays, not pick up dumb fouls. Um, I just think I just wanted to at least contextualize that. I do think it's a little bit harder to avoid them in the current context he's in. Yeah. And frankly, like, I think the only real bad games that he's had, you know, prior to tonight, if you want to call tonight a bad game is the Orlando ones, right? And, and that's where he gets in foul trouble. And, you know, it's really tough. Like, once you start getting into foul trouble, that, as a big man, really gets into your mind, especially when you're playing a team like Houston where, you know, you got guys like Fred Van Vliet that are going to hit the floor every single time you're even around them. To You don't want to pick up an offensive foul because Shangoon or, or Fred Van Vliet are, are flopping to the floor. Um, so, you know, you're kind of taking it to the basket a little more gentle. You're, you're not going directly at guys, right? Like it's all that kind of stuff that it's just a cascading effect that it has on your game. And, um, it's abnormal really for, for him to get into foul trouble, but you, you just see in these games that once it's occurred, it impacts so many other facets of the game and that makes things tough. And, you know, when, when you have a guy that steps on your foot, for you know and, and you weren't doing really anything wrong like it's frustrating to get called for a foul in that situation and um thank god that the second time shangun fell into allen for for no reason that wasn't called a, as a foul on allen but man like you know it, it is a tough position that he's been in but i i do think overall he's been very good this year he, we've had matchups where you know he's just been essential to the Cavs winning and he's going to need to be essential uh, to the Cavs winning over this stretch. And really, you know, this time that we're missing Garland and Mobley, I feel like we're probably going to come away from this having an increased appreciation of Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and, and you know, the, the guys that we do have and an in- increased appreciation for how much easier on both ends of the court Darius and, and Mobley make things, right? Like, I love to see that this team's showing fight, that they're stepping up in these ways. I'm curious to see what the long-term effects are of this time is because earlier in the year, I thought Donovan was playing almost like a little frustrated when Darius was out. Like, God, I, I got to do this again. 
this to me, these last two games feel more like early last season where Donovan really kind of embraced being that that point guard in that time, really was getting guys involved, understood the value of keeping everybody involved. And it just translated beautifully to how well he played with Darius, where he was still taking his own shot, but he was playing within the flow of the offense. I wonder if we're going to see that same effect where, you know, Darius has his time off, take care of nagging injuries and whatnot. Donovan finds more of a groove and finds that chemistry with guys uh, throughout the lineup. And then when it all comes together, it starts to gel the way that we saw last season. Uh, That sounds great. Uh, I order that. That is that is the order I'm going to make um, at the, at the restaurant. Do that, guys. See, I've already found the optimistic read on this. You know, this is this is how I deal with trauma, and I was dealt too much trauma on Friday in a 40 minute window, and I have found the silver lining. God bless the Cavs. Two wins. We'll, we will be back uh, podcasting after Thursday's game. Cavs have a home back to back with Utah and the Pelicans. Pelicans is going to be a really, really tough game. So if they find a way to steal that one, uh, we will be absolutely jacked up on Thursday. But I'm sure we'll have a ton to talk about. Big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. I forgot how late it was. Just got excited about this win. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.